It's season finale time. Yes. So we almost have the full team on the mic. It is Coach Zan here. I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Coach Mary. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Damn it. We knew that was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen. <laughs> list us off, Zan. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I was going to say, all right, alphabetical order, ready, go. All right, but it's Coach Zan, Coach Chloe, Coach Verlaine, Coach Paige, and Coach Mary on the mic. This is our first episode with this many coaches, so bear with us. Um, <laughs> like, like what just happened, it could be a shit show, but <laughs> we love um, finishing each season with a coach Q&A. So we have a ton of good questions pulled by the community for all of us to answer today. But before we dive into that, in case you're new to the new to us, we're the Habit Team. The Habit is a nutrition coaching company made for women by women. Our program is built for you with coaches who put your goals, lifestyle, and personality first. If you want to learn more about us, head to the episode notes or go to thehabit.com. That's Habit with a Y to request more info. All right. Shall we dive in? Let's let's do it. Cool. Before we get to all the great questions that you guys asked us, um, I just wanted to do a little teaser with the girls and kind of just ask them, you know, what has been your guys' favorite thing to do now that the world is opening back up? Paige, I'll start with you. I was thinking hard about this and it's pretty much like everything. I'm just so happy. We went to a Twins game the other night, um, a baseball team, Minnesota, if you're not familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that was a ton of fun. But I think what will be my most favorite two things coming up is I have like a proper girls night out, like going out till two in the morning sort of night on Friday. And I'm just really, really pumped for that. And then the Minnesota State Fair is at the end of August that... I really, really missed last nice. year. Mm-hmm. Sounds fun. All the food. All the food, of course. <laughs> uh, Mary, what about you? Um, obviously, it's going to have to do with my kids and the fact that they can actually go to camp all day. And that's been so nice. So that way they are not stuck in the house all day long like they were last summer it was like in front of the gaming system or like trying to like keep them occupied all day is really hard <laughs> so they, they, they can go to camp all day and it's been super nice <laughs> so happy for you <laughs> yes and because your son is away at camp you are able to wear his gaming headphones <laughs> exactly i look really good right now Thank you. We Thank really you. wish you guys could see what Mary looks like right now. She looks like a professional mm-hmm. ready to play some video games. <laughs> I do. He, he would be very proud of me right now. He saw me. <laughs> yeah, you got to take a picture and give, make sure yeah. to send that to him. Or show I, should. <laughs> I should. I <laughs> should. Uh, Chloe, what about you? Um, I think lately it's just been able to see everybody's faces. I feel like I have gone into the world so many times Mm -hmm. over the past year and like only seen the top half of people's face and not know if they're like mean mugging me or smiling at me or anything like that. So it's kind of nice to just see everybody for once. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Ferlaine, what about you? Okay, I might sound very (laughs) (laughs) antisocial. But we just moved. Like I wouldn't say it's like the boonies, but the next closest town is about 30 minutes away. And it's kind of been nice to be just 
away from everything, especially after being in Philadelphia, like in the middle of the city. And it was just, it was Mm. a lot for me, especially being pregnant and then having a baby afterwards. So, um, Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't really care now that the world's open. I mean, I'm glad to see my family and everything, but other than that, I'm just going to be here um, canning fruits and um, making my own <laughs> veggie garden <laughs> and not saying hello to people. I'm terrible right now. Maybe it's just because like I'm in a different phase in my life. But yeah, you just you can call me antisocial and find me on Instagram. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's me right now. But just to be <laughs> honest, I'm being completely honest. No, we need that. I love it. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm sure you need the peace and quiet, especially after having a newborn. So I don't blame you, girl. Yes. Yeah, it's like (laughs) Verlaine's favorite part is getting to stay inside because she gets to, not because she has to. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yep. (laughs) And you guys know I don't drink, so it's like, doesn't really matter. Like, quarantine or not, I'm good. Right. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Although quarantine didn't really stop me from drinking. Um... I would say my favorite part is probably being back at Orange Theory with no masks on, coaching without a mask, working out without a mask. You guys, if you ever tried to run on a treadmill with a mask on, like I actually felt like I was being waterboarded (laughs) at times. Like it was insane. Wait, do you have to run with a class? No, no, no. Like, okay. Like on your own. Yeah, like I'll go in and take, I'll take classes Classes. myself like a couple times a week. And I did it actually because I wanted to know what the members felt like in a mask. And I was like, oh, hell no. Like I totally understood. So when I was coaching and they were running with masks on, I like would go a lot easier on them on the tread because I would, (laughs) I would understand. Exactly. (laughs) But now it's just awesome to like walk in there. The energy is great. Everyone's smiling. Kind of like Chloe said, I can actually see their face and. And um, yeah, it's just been, it's been nice. So that's probably been my favorite part. Love it. All right. So let's dive in. We got a lot of great questions from our community. Um, So I'm just going to be throwing out the questions. I'll pick a coach to choose uh, or I'll choose a coach to answer them and we'll just go from there. So one of our first questions that we got is, what should a client do before starting our 12-week program? So if you had to give them, you know, a piece of advice of how to prep or, you know, if they've been waiting on the wait list for a while and they just want to do whatever they can um, prior to, you know, actually joining, what is um, some piece of advice you would give, Chloe? Um, I would probably say number one thing is just get nice and set up, get your groceries, get some recipes planned out, have a game plan going into this, especially for the first couple weeks. If you're new to something like tracking macros, it can be kind of overwhelming. So the more things you have planned ahead of time that you can kind of just roll into, you'll feel less overwhelmed. And in terms of like getting set before your official start date, I would say really there's no need to change anything you know you don't have to go on like a cleanse to get ready and you don't have to like get in all the good foods before you start because you can still have all of that stuff through your program too so I would just say get prepared for everything get set up go through your onboarding pay attention to the information that's given to you and 
get yourself nice and prepared. I definitely want to add to that. I do want to add to that one thing. And I would suggest, especially if you're going to be on the wait list for a long time, like if say when they sign up and it's like a month, start logging what you're eating now. Because that way, that way, you know, like, okay, that way when you sign up with your coach and they ask you, because I know for me, when i first get assigned a client, I send them a text. I'm like, hey, tell me everything. I want to know your lifestyle. I want to know like what type of foods you enjoy. I want to know all the things. And if you have already been tracking, you're like, okay, I hit roughly around this much of protein every day. These are things that we can work on together. Um, And you're already familiar with tracking. You're already Mm -hmm. familiar with maybe creating your own recipes and adding your own food into my fitness pal. You've gotten used to it. So that way it's not so like monotonous when you get your numbers you kind of know what to do mm-hmm. from the beginning that's exactly start reading a nutrition label like even more simpler like for me that was eye-opening it still is and i just think being aware of what you're consuming is also just like a really good first step especially if you're months out from getting on with us hopefully not but i just think that that turns into knowledge knowledge is power in here in this program so Another just little quick tip. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going to say. And especially with um, what you said, Mary, I mean, give as much data as you can to your coach because that's really going to help us help you. If we have no idea where you're starting, you know, it's obviously we'll learn about each other as we work together. But if you already come into the program with all that information, I mean, we are going to have a solid game plan throughout your entire program. So definitely agree with that. I just wanted to add to that, too. The one thing that I do like to do with my clients, even before um, starting with the habit, is writing, like having a food journal and having that like written out. So for a lot of people, macros can be a lot and the numbers, all that can be a lot of information all at once. So if you just have a food journal all at once, it visually can you could see what you're eating. And then from there, you can show that to your coach, take a picture of it or whatever it is, and then easily have your coach be like okay let's sub this to this eliminate this like there's a lot of components of just having it visually so that's the one other uh, only other thing that I want to add into that which is kind of the same thing as what we were talking about too all right moving on to the second question it's um kind of going off the whole concept of the weekend warrior diet if you guys had ever heard that before but someone asked you know thoughts on giving clients higher macros for the weekends if they have a lot of social events that they're going to so, um, Mary, I'm going to start with you. What Do you ever do this with your clients? Um, if so, why or why not? Yeah, so I have done it a few times. And I don't make it like a practice to where um, you get them higher macros on the weekends and um, lower macros on the week. But if you do know you have like an event coming up and that's something that you really want to splurge on and you don't want to have to, um, you know, go over your calorie deficit for the week because if you think of your macros as a budget of seven days so you have let's just say you're eating at 1500 a a day okay that's just an example times seven that's your macros for your budget macros for the week so you can spend those however you want um however i like more consistency day to day um that's what i like to see especially when you're in a 12-week program it's different if you're in a longer term type situation but in the 12-week program we try to teach basic habits to help lead you on through life instead of just like okay this is how you know you can just have more macros on the weekends and then less on the or yeah less on the week so 
Yes, I do do it. It's not a habit I try to make, but you can. It can happen, especially if you stay in within your caloric deficit macro budget for the week. It's fine. It's not something that's going to derail you. Yes, maybe you'll weigh more because you did eat more on that Saturday for the wedding that you went to. On Sunday, you might weigh more. On Monday, you might weigh more just because you had more carbs to work with. Um, But that doesn't mean that you gain fat either. It just means you weigh more. That's it. I've personally never done that for a client. I actually, I don't really think a client has ever even really asked me about it, but where I would want to tread lightly is, you know, a lot of women come into our program um, just saying like, look, my Monday through Friday, I am spot on. I do amazing. The weekends is just a shit show. It derails me. I go over my macros every single weekend and they just feel like they're in this vicious cycle. Well, sometimes, you know, allotting more calories or macros for the weekends could make them fall even more into that vicious cycle of restricting during the week and then splurging on the weekends. I'm not saying that this is for everyone, but um, that is exactly why, like, I would definitely do it based on client by client, you know, what their past habits and behaviors are around food. And then I would kind of see if I felt like they were up to that challenge. But I definitely would not do it on a weekly basis because like Mary said, we really want our clients to be consistent and we want you to learn how to live a balanced lifestyle without feeling like you have to restrict at any point during the week. But that's just my opinion. I'm wondering if this person was asking too because of the refeed day that might be floating around the interwebs from time to time. Um, And that's kind of in a separate category. Like it is and it isn't, right? Like you can kind of categorize refeed day as whatever you want it to be. Um, But refeed day is just where you have an extra amount of calories. It could be carbs, it could be fat, it could be a combination of both um, to kind of get out of that and I kind of implement this later on in programs or even in just maintenance programs, depending on the person. Um, but that's just a way that you can kind of get out of that quote unquote, like diet sort of mentality of like always operating in a deficit. So that's how I've used them in the past. Um, but it's again, kind of like specific to the individual, which you guys are going to really get sick of hearing us say, but it depends. (laughs) Yes, it depends. (laughs) Yeah, I program in refeeds too, but I don't do them every week. Some coaches that I know do refeeds every single mm-hmm. week. You have a refeed like on a Sunday. And typically when they do refeeds, it's just straight up carbs because you're trying to boost your insulin levels. And so um, typically that's what a refeed is. And so when I implement a refeed, it's whenever I notice one that the client isn't able to adhere and it hasn't been adhering or two, they are not sleeping well or whatever the situation is and I'll implement a refeed to give them that boost of insulin into their week and hopefully that can recharge everything and um, increase their leptin levels lower cortisol levels do all that that's typically what I do I never really increase fats on refeeds I just give them 500 straight up carbs just eat all the carbs and then we move back on to deficits That sounds like a lovely Sunday, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So moving into the next, like, honestly, handful of questions, we got a lot of questions about reversing, cutting, maintenance, you know, all of that fun stuff. So these will kind of, you know, flow into each other. But um, one of the first questions asked was, how do you know if you should reverse before doing a cut? So um, for Lane, I'll let you start off on this one. Um, can I'm just going to give this out to you guys and be ready for it. 
It depends. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop. I know all the coaches want to say that. So I'm just, I'm just starting it off. But it really does depend on how you're feeling, how your body is reacting. There's genetics that plays into it. There's hormones that plays into it. But I guess the simplest reasoning is in when there's nothing happening anymore. Like you're, it basically, I hate to, hate to say this, but you're plateaued. Like your body is not reacting to anything that you're doing. Um, so that I, I would, that would be the simplest way of explaining it. I know Coach Mary would probably have, be, have more of the scientific reasoning behind this because you're so good at it. Like I could <laughs> literally just like put my hands underneath my chin and be like in awe <laughs> of how she explained things. Seriously. And like it's, she explained things in the, the way we're, like common people like normal people like everyday people can understand it so coach mary i'm asking you this question (laughs) throwing it right back to you Um, i mean i can piggyback on that and i always say it depends people get so mad but it really does depend typically when somebody starts a reverse if they're starting a program there is nowhere to go but up you've already lowered your calories you've already increased your cardio you've already tried all the things and there's nowhere to go but up if you if you've been eating consistently at 1500 calories for months and months and months and then you join the 12 week program and you're like yeah I've been eating 1500 for like 6 months and I'm not losing weight anymore I know I'm not going to decrease your calories another 20% from that because then you're really going to be starving. And so in order to start things back up again, sometimes we have to go take a step backwards for a minute and like step out of a deficit. And some people lose weight, some people don't. And I know that that's a hard, hard subject for some people, but increasing your calories. And if you can get to the highest range of your maintenance calories, eventually when you cut back down, hopefully you don't have to cut back down to 1500. You can cut down and your deficit numbers could be like 1900 calories. I mean, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I would love Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So yeah, (laughs) it really depends. Most of the time when you're going to have to start a reverse, if you're starting a 12 week program depends on your past dieting Mm -hmm. history. That's Mm -hmm. what it's going to depend on. So what you have been doing in the past Mm -hmm. doesn't just erase when you join a 12-week program. That matters. It matters a lot. And so when you join the 12-week program and your your coach gives you a deficit numbers from what they think that your deficit should be, but then you're like, oh, that's a lot of food. Well, then that goes to tell me that you probably haven't been eating mm-hmm. when you joined. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. If you're going to tell me 1,700 calories is a lot of food, then you are eating less than that on a consistent basis, then you're already, this mm-hmm. goes to show me you're probably going to need to start increasing the yeah. calories. So, Absolutely. I was just going to say my number one thing is diet history. And for someone who comes into the habit, I mean, not everyone comes into our program having tracked macros before, like at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just do my best to gather as much information as possible about their eating habits and around about how much calories they think they're consuming a day. If, like Mary uh, had mentioned, if it's on the lower end, there's no way I'm going to put you in a cut. I'm going to start reversing you right away just so I can see how your body responds first and foremost. If you've been under eating, whether you're doing it intentionally or not, your body is just going to be screaming for more fuel. And, you know, that would probably be my very first indication to start a reverse before ever having a client do a cut. Yeah, well, this also goes back into the first question. When people talk about having more calories on the weekends, when 
somebody says, oh, I've been eating, you know, 1500 calories. But then on the weekend, they go out and they do all of this. They go, they drink, they um, go out for pizza, they go on date night, they do all this stuff and they end up eating 3500 calories on the weekend on Saturday and Sunday. That overall deficit, that's 1500 times five. And then you have Saturday or Saturday and Sunday, we're eating 3,500 because you're drinking alcohol, you're doing all this. All of that is a whole like average. You need to average that out. So sometimes when you join in, you're like, I've only been eating this much. But if you get deficit numbers of 1,700 and you eat them consistently, your body loves being consistent. Your body loves it. It likes to know what intake it's going to get every single day. It doesn't like to think, well, maybe today I'm not going to I'm not going to get fed and maybe tomorrow I'm going to get fed a crap ton of food and a crap ton of alcohol. Um, But when you're consistent every single day, day in and day out, not perfect, but consistent, your body will reward you for that. I promise. And that kind of goes into the next question of, you know, why do you see some people who are in a reverse and going towards maintenance? Why do some women gain weight? And why do some women actually see insane results like um, body composition changes and inches loss, even weight loss? Why can it be so drastically different from client to client? Um, Paige, I'll let you lead this one. I think that exactly could just be answered to what Mary was just saying. Um, Because if you're eating at a deficit for a super long amount of time, and then you're all of a sudden exposed to a higher caloric set, your body is going to recognize that as this like drastic change. And if you are coming from a program or kind of reversing yourself, you may have not had the guidance of how to properly reverse. And you know, this, I would probably ask back to this person, like 20 other questions, um, of why, you know, why they think that that's the majority, because I think when you're coached properly through it, weight gain, isn't the goal here. It's actually to maintain the progress that you saw and in your deficit. And not only that, but also to increase strength, increase your energy levels, be just a normal functioning human being that enjoys being social and allows for flexibility, Um, So I know I'm kind of like going off the beaten path of this question, uh, but I think it also boils down to your genetics, your hormones, your gut health. Like there's millions of reasons why, why some people react. It's like asking why I have blue eyes and Zan has brown eyes. Like it's (laughs) completely dependent on your DNA sometimes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and going off what you said, Paige, you mentioned, you know, reversing and hitting maintenance. Maintenance is obviously meant for you to maintain the place that you're at. However, we have seen some women, you know, um, gain some weight during their reverse and maintenance. So I don't know, um, you know, if there's any more to really add to this, but um, if you had to give further thoughts on that, Chloe, why would you say some people do actually gain a couple of pounds? I feel like the main thing that I typically see happen is you're giving your muscles more fuel to grow. And that's typically what I experience. A lot of the girls I have who are going through maintenance are primarily strength training. And at some point their muscles are going to, you know, like plateau and stop growing. And if you're not eating enough, you're not feeding your muscles. So when you start to give your body and your muscles more food, it's going to convert that food into muscle growth, muscle weighs more than fat, you're gonna see a slight increase on the scale. So if you're experiencing weight gain during maintenance, it's not always fat, it could be muscle, and that's where we see the body composition changes happening as well. If you were gaining 
purely fat, then you're not going to be shredded with maintenance. But I've seen girls gain like three plus pounds on maintenance and have a six pack of abs that's coming from the muscle that's able to grow now that it's being fueled properly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes mass to move mass, right? And also... In, um, on top of like muscle weighing more than fat, you also have to consider you're putting more food in your body. So obviously, you know, you're, you might, you are going to be weighing more, but also more carbs. You have to think of your body as a sponge. Sometimes you will retain more water by eating more carbs. If you're hitting a really hard strength day, you know, and it's even like you're challenging yourself even more now that you're eating more food your muscles are going to retain more water too. So again, you know, all the variables that cause our weight to fluctuate, that's going to happen at the same time when you're doing reversing and going towards maintenance. Highly recommend if you are maintenance though, to really focus a little bit more on strength training. Cause like, you know, you, again, like whatever all the coaches said, you are putting more <clears throat> food in your body. So put that into good yeah. use mm-hmm. and gain So gain those. <laughs> I mean, yes. that's, that's, and you, Instead of doing cardio, f- put a little bit more emphasis in strength yeah. training mm-hmm. when when you're in. When yeah, you're put in that food to use. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> Do you guys want to add any more to that? I feel like I could talk about reverse. Yeah. I feel like if I did, I could take over this whole Mary's podcast. passion project. But I do, uh, it is, but I do want to say something. Sometimes people will see weight gain and reversing, and that doesn't mean that you've gained fat. So when you're reversing, the purpose of a reverse is to maintain the physique that you have, not the weight that you have. So because you are increasing your calories, because if, let's just say you're in a 500 calorie deficit, I'm going to keep saying 1,500 because it's so easy. Okay, so say you're eating 1,500 calories in a deficit and your maintenance is projected at 2,000. When you're increasing your calories by 500, you're technically still in a deficit if you increase by 100 one week, you're at you're eating 1600, you're still at in a deficit. You increase again by 1700, you are still in a deficit. So, you aren't technically going to be able to gain muscle while you're reversing up, okay? When you see when you get to your maintenance and you start to build the calories up, even at maintenance, it takes a lot longer to build muscle. I'm just going to be honest. If you're wanting to, if you, you can see body recomp at maintenance, but to be, to build muscle, you kind of have to be eating in a slight surplus. And that's just, that's, it's the truth. You have to eat in a surplus to build muscle and muscle doesn't weigh more than fat. If you have a pound of feathers and a pound of bricks, what weighs more? It's the same. Muscle is just more dense than fat. So somebody who weighs 150 pounds that has more body fat percentage and somebody else that weighs 50, 150 pounds, they have more muscle mass. They're going to look different because they have more body fat. So somebody has more muscle mass at 150 pounds, somebody has more body fat at 150 pounds, it, they're going to look completely different. So just because you gain weight in a reverse doesn't mean that you have sucked at it or that you failed at reversing it just means that might be just some weight that your body needs to put on period Mm -hmm. absolutely and this is why we all hate the scale because (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. (laughs) Because it's going to drive you crazy. You know, like Mary said, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. That's just how your body is reacting to a reverse. You got to go with it. Because if you skip this phase, you are going to be kicking yourself in the ass later on. Because when you try to get back into a cut or a deficit, whatever, and your body doesn't respond, it's because you skipped that phase. I mean, everyone has to go through it. So, um, you know, when you are a part of the habit and you're being resistant, just let the coach take it from there because it is so much easier to do it with a support system than try to do it on your own. I bet you um, everyone would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So I feel like this is kind of a easy question or answer, but how do you know if you are not losing weight due to your calories being too low? or if your calories are too high. I'll just continue answering this one, but um, I mean, in my mind, I think it's fairly easy to know whether a woman is under eating or not. I mean, majority of, you guys can challenge me on this, but I don't think I've ever coached someone lower than 1500 calories. I don't think I ever did. And again, you know, that's very dependent on age, height, weight, activity level, all that good stuff. But I, you know, if you told me how how much you were eating and you're just not seeing progress, I feel like we coaches would certainly know whether you're under eating or not, or if your calories are too high for, you know, the progress that you want to see. But that's just my opinion. I don't know. What do you guys think? I do want to agree with you. If somebody is going to say, oh, I'm not losing weight and they come to you and you ask them and you ask them how much they're eating and they say 1200 calories, then you automatically know they're eating too low. If somebody comes to you, say they're not losing weight and their intake is consistently at like 1700, then maybe we can lower it down a little bit. Um and see what happens or increase your steps, increase your movement to give you you a bigger deficit. I personally like to do everything before I decrease food. I would much rather you increase movement and create a little bit more of a bigger deficit before I say, okay, well, let's just decrease your calories first. I'd much rather exhaust all f- efforts before we decrease calories. But you can tell it's pretty obvious if you've been eating too little, like if you're eating 1500 consistently all the time, then maybe it's time to one, reverse up, two, and make do a refeed day, three, a diet break, um, four, look at your sleeping habits. Are you sleeping like crap? Well, then that goes in into play with that. Are you, are you drinking water? Are you um, stretching? Are you doing all the things like, or are you treating your body like crap outside of eating your food? All of that all of that matters, but I don't know. I think it's pretty obvious most of the time. So, um, again, going off of the different phases of macro tracking, such as cut, reverse, maintenance, cutting again, um, someone asked, you know, does a woman who is obese, you know, has a decent amount of weight to lose, do they still have to go through those cycles as, you know, someone who may only need to lose like 10 to 15 pounds? I mean, what I've seen from experience is, you know, I could have a client who has 50 pounds to lose, let's say, versus a client who has only 10 pounds to lose. I have noticed that, you know, women who need to lose more weight, they could definitely be in a deficit longer than a woman who may not have to lose as much weight. For instance, I had a client that worked with me for a full five months and 
truthfully, I mean, we had bumped up her macros throughout her um, time with me just because she was starting to feel hungrier and her metabolism was revving up, but she was in a deficit for all five months and her body was still responding. All five months, she was losing weight on a monthly basis. So whereas, you know, I had a client who may only have needed to lose 10 pounds, whether she actually reached that or not, after 12 weeks, I was like, you know what, it's time to reverse because your body is just not responding anymore to a cut. So again, you know, there's no cookie cutter answer to that. But I will say women who do need to lose um, more weight could probably get away with being in a cut for longer. That's just based on um, client experience, though. Yeah, I agree. I think like, yes, you can be in a cut for longer, but regardless of like where your body stands, I know that there will be some point down the line when you're going to reach that plateau and you're going to need a change. And I definitely think that, like Zan said, if you have 50 pounds to lose, if you have 10 pounds to lose, I think you can benefit from that kind of cycle, reversing into maintenance and hanging out there for a little bit, cutting. Because like Mary said earlier, if you go up to maintenance and you hang out there for a while and get comfortable, hopefully the next time you cut, you won't have to go so low. So it can benefit in multiple ways too. It can fix the metabolism. It can give you a little break. So I think that regardless of where you kind of stand, you there's always benefits that you can take from going through that whole cycle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And let's get real. You know, one of the main goals that we want for our clients is to put more lean muscle on their body so their body is burning more calories at rest, right? And it is much easier to be able to capitalize on strength training when you're eating more versus when you're in a deficit. And so no matter what, we want every single person, no matter what their goals are, to go through all these different phases because your body is just needs it at some point. So... Let me ask question eight and Paige, you can take it from there. Um, someone asked, are macros set differently for those that are perimenopausal or postmenopausal? So Paige, what about you? What do you do with clients like this? Yeah, so I've had clients across the board um, that are going through this stage in their life. And we typically, they're working with their doctor on any other sort of like, I don't want to call it treatments, but just like uh, supportive you know, methods that they could be using when they're at this stage in their life. So a lot of the time we're talking about their conversations with their doctor. This has nothing to do with me, you know, being involved in their conversation with their doctor or anything like that. It's just good supporting information for me to make more informed decisions on how their ratios are split. So really it's variant dependent on the woman. And a lot of the times I've actually had, um, uh, clients that have higher fat versus lower fat, higher carb versus lower carb. And it's really just dependent on their lifestyle, their type of movement, so on and so forth. So yes, have experience, but in terms of, you know, how macros are set, it's so individual. For Lane, what about you? Do you, have you had any clients, um, you know, going through these stages of life and have you set their macros differently? I personally have not, but uh, if I did have a client like this, I, I again, I would probably base it off of how certain numbers are responding to them. And I, I mean, because I don't know 
to, to begin with how they are responding. I will probably use a baseline number and then from there, you know, reassess and see what the changes that we need to do. Higher fat definitely will play into more into with your hormones. So looking at that probably would be taken into account as well. But yeah, I, I haven't had personally have this experience, but I've definitely looking forward to this because this would be a challenge for myself too because I've personally never experienced it obviously for <laughs> myself either <laughs> so yeah it'll be a really interesting for me and and I hope whoever that client is 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 willing to actually learn at the same time as I am what about you Mary um well I mean I have someone right now who is 74 she's amazing I love her however um she when she did her first week she was eating like 800 calories and I was like you've got to eat more she's like I've never had anyone tell me that I had to eat more before and so not necessarily on that specific topic but I think it's a lot of it is very generational about how they view food because for so long back in the like back when our parents were younger um they were told, or women specifically were told, 1,200 calories, that's how much you eat. And that, it's very generational. It's very hard to break those eating habits for somebody who's been eating this way for so, so, so long. So basically, um, I have her set macros right now pretty low because I know for her that's very hard to say, okay, I need you to eat 1,700 because she hasn't been eating that much. She's, It's just not going to be easy for somebody. So but I do agree. For one, somebody who is um, older, it's important to have high protein diet. One, because their bone density is a lot weaker than somebody who is in their 20s. And protein is very, very good for that in general. Good for a lot of things, obviously. But in general, for somebody who is older, their protein needs to be a little bit higher. Um, and then Obviously, their fat intake needs to be a little bit higher. They don't need as much carbs as somebody who is younger, who's going to be moving more efficiently because they're burning more calories. So they need more fats and protein based on a diet. Somebody who's who's older just for their specific body, because I mean, somebody who's like our age, we move faster, we move more efficiently. That's not to be mean. That's just being that's being honest. And so they can they benefit more with higher protein, higher fats moderate carbs and that's just kind of how I set their numbers all right we have like two more questions left um one of the last ones is you know do any of us have experience working with clients that have SIBO or other gut issues and if so how do we kind of help them um navigate you know incorporating certain foods to hit their macros but also still being gentle with their bodies at the same time mm-hmm. I have a SIBO client right now. Yeah. And she's amazing. So we have her right now. Um, We um, have her at a higher fat intake and a a lower uh, carb intake because carbs are very hard on her body. She tends to get very bloated with carbs. So we have her on a higher fat intake and she has done fantastic on that. So when people say like keto is, is like a fad diet, sometimes depending on the person and their health history, it's more beneficial for somebody to have higher fats. And somebody with SIBO, that is the case. Most of the time they they need that um, because they have a hard time digesting carbs. And if you're not familiar with SIBO, I mean, you're basically so bloated that your stomach physically is 
hurts. Like it is, it's so bad. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, with her, she's done fantastic with a moderate carb intake and a higher fat, um, and you know, and then like a pretty moderate protein. So yeah, I mean, it just depends. Typically with her, we started with higher fats automatically and she's done amazing. So anyone else want to add to anything? Yeah, I, I'm currently going through this and it's not just carbohydrates. It's actually just the gluten within carbohydrates. So of course, to Mary's point, like that gives you less options. Sometimes (laughs) there's a ton of gluten-free options out there nowadays, but yes, I have personally found myself gravitating towards more, um, fat rich sources because it's just more satiating that way for me, um, versus just always trying to find like gluten-free options, which can also be like really, really processed and not like the best options. Um, it could actually like make your stomach even worse, (laughs) um, if you're still eating gluten-free, but going into a rabbit hole of that, I've also worked with, uh, clients that have gut issues. They're typically working in hand with a doctor or a registered dietitian or what have you, um, to better inform, uh, their protocol. All right. For the final question, um, we had someone ask, you know, are we ever going to do a meetup with clients and coaches in different parts of the country? And I thought this would be a really fun one to talk about and kind of wrap up this um, final episode with. I do know this has actually been done in the past, which Paige had mentioned. So Paige, I was going to let you um, lead the way and then um, we can kind of all chat whether this is something that we could plan out or not. Yeah, we did a meetup here in Minneapolis um, probably two or maybe three years ago. I honestly am so bad with years. I can't remember specifics right now, but um, I do remember that weekend I had food poisoning, so I can't actually forget that weekend, (laughs) (laughs) even if I wanted to. But um, no, it was great. We were at a local gym here and brought in food and had a ton of people from the Minneapolis area uh, get together and do a workout together and just meet up. It's a really great, great way to kind of create that sense of community. We've talked about doing it. And then honestly, we just got so, so slammed, um, because a lot of us are super spread out throughout the country, probably less now, um, that fairly it's more on the West coast, but we still have people, um, all across the country that would be really, really fun and is actually a great way to just like if you've moved, I know a couple of my habit clients have moved and they have asked, you know, Hey, do you know of any other clients of yours or any other coaches clients that live in XYZ city? Um, so it's good to good to, we should, we should write that down and actually do something about it. I know. I was thinking like in our community page, I would just have want to see like how many people really are near each yeah. other because in my opinion in my mind when people sign up I'm like they're all over the place all over the country and so it would be really interesting just to like pull the audience and see like how many people really are nearby but that would be fun I would love to meet well, clients we're getting so big too it'd be it'd be really cool to have like a yeah. little powwow with everybody <laughs> I know I don't think oh I've ever God. actually I've met one client in person because she lives here really? in San Diego so yeah yeah, um, and she came and took uh, my Orange Theory class, actually. So how cool. fun! Yeah, but um, yeah, because like some of them, it's like after a twelve week program or whatever it is, it's like I just want to give you yeah. a hug. I oh, know. Right. <laughs> yeah. <Same>. Yes. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, you, you we get so vulnerable with each other, and you have literally never met this person in real life, and you just feel so connected to them. 
But I could also say that the same about us coaches. We've never met each other either. Well, some of us have, but still. And I bet you clients don't even know that. They, they probably think that we've all met and we really haven't. So um, because of this, we actually have a little coach trip planned or on the books for October. Everyone is coming to San Diego and all eight of us, since there's eight of us now, and this is going to be the first time that we've literally all met in person. We're going to do a photo shoot. We're going to get drunk together, you know, do all the things. <laughs> and so we're Y'all super, super influence. excited. <laughs> <laughs> what? Never. <laughs> we're going to eat a lot. Yes. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, the only people who've met in person are me, Chloe, and Ferlaine, but that's because we all lived in San Diego together at some point. So we're going to get everyone else over here on the West Coast. So I'm super excited. Be prepared for your Instagrams to blow up. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. All right. Any closing thoughts, ladies? I can't believe the season is done already. Crazy season. (laughs) (laughs) technical difficulties non-stop influx of clients we've done it all ladies nice work i know yes love you guys love the habit team and our community thank you guys so much for sending in all these awesome questions um but yeah that wraps up season four so until next time we'll chat with you guys soon Bye. bye see ya